Hello, welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is me, also known as Mary Pat Campbell. Today I'm talking about what COVID vaccination status supposedly has to do with motor vehicle accident risk or traffic risk. There was recently an academic paper put out uh, on some traffic risk in Canada in 2021. I mean, the paper recently came out in 2022 on a period in 2021. And several people sent it to me, and a lot of people had done analysis on some aspects of the statistical analysis and where that potentially fell short. Now, I'm not going to talk about the potential statistical problems with the paper, and indeed, I'm here to argue that the correlations and the relative risk measures may be correct for the specific period they're talking about. And I'm not going to tease apart all of the potential aspects of that. I will drop the links to the other people who did analyses, one of whom was Dr. John Campbell. He's a doctor, and I forget of what, if he's a medical doctor or what his specialty is. He's not a relation of mine that I know of. Uh, he's been doing videos throughout the pandemic. Uh, Stuart has actually been watching him a lot more than I have. I don't have time to watch videos. Actually, I barely watch any video at all other than sumo and opera and MST3K. Those are my main three uh, for video. I mainly listen to audio, audio books and podcasts and that kind of thing. And I mainly read um, but Stuart has pointed out stuff that he has done, Dr. John Campbell, and also I have a bunch of links from Dr. John Campbell and some other people via Twitter, and I'll send you there so you can see all the nitpicky details, and they're not that nitpicky. Some of these are very, very substantive, but let me give you the abstract from this paper. The title of the paper is COVID Vaccine Hesitancy and Risk of a Traffic Crash, and just to level set it to give you a little corporate buzz term here. This is based off of analysis in Ontario in 2021, and I forget which month, and it was about a period of a month that this covered, and it only covered adults who were, um, who had uh, access, or I shouldn't say access, who were able to uh, get the COVID vaccine in Ontario. Um, in any case, here's our abstract background. Coronavirus disease COVID vaccine hesitancy is a reflection of psychology that might also contribute to traffic safety. We tested whether COVID vaccination was associated with the risks of a traffic crash. Methods. We conducted a population-based longitudinal cohort analysis of adults and determined COVID vaccination status through linkages to individual electronic medical records. Traffic crashes requiring emergency medical care were subsequently identified by multi-center outcome ascertainment of all hospitals in the region over a one-month follow-up interval. That's 178 separate centers. Results. A total of 11 million 
1,270,763 individuals were included, of whom 16% had not received a COVID vaccine and 84% had received a COVID vaccine. Thank you for doing the math. That's my editorial comment. The cohort accounted for 6,682 traffic crashes during follow-up. Unvaccinated individuals accounted for 1,682 traffic crashes. That's 25%. Thanks for doing the math again. Equal to a 72% increased relative risk compared with those vaccinated. So, you know, doing a ratio there of the um, 25% versus 16%. So we're doing some base rate comparisons here. And I'm not doing confidence interval, blah, 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 or, you know, p-values, blah. Okay, back to their paper. The increased traffic risks among unvaccinated individuals extended to diverse subgroups, was similar to the relative risk associated with sleep apnea, and I'm going to insert my voice again. This is before they adjusted for um, for uh, covariates, so like being young or male or using alcohol, okay, and was equal to a 48% increase after adjustment for age, sex, home location, socioeconomic status, and medical diagnoses. The increased risks extended across a spectrum of crash severity, appeared similar for Pfizer, Moderna, or other vaccines, and were validated in supplementary analyses of crossover cases, propensity scores, and additional controls. And this is for the stuff they controlled for. And I'm going to inject my voice again. This is one major thing they did not control for because it's not in medical records, because why would it be? It would be in insurance records, though. Um, it was What was not controlled for was the number of miles driven. And just another thing not noted in the results, one of the things this was about people who showed up in the hospital, um, this included pedestrians and included, you know, passengers of vehicles. So, you know, this is not about the number of miles driven. So when we do insurance rates for like auto, we usually are talking about per passenger mile. And we're thinking of rates of risk by the driver. Um, but they're including people who are the patient in the hospital and they weren't the one who was controlling the vehicle. So I just want you to know about that. Okay. Uh, that people did bring that up in their critique of this study. Anyway, back to the abstract. Conclusions. These data suggest that COVID vaccine hesitancy is associated with significant increased risks of a traffic crash and awareness of these risks might help to encourage more COVID vaccination. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to be a New Yorker for a moment. You have been warned, as I will quote myself, this conclusion is bullshit. Okay. And even if all the statistical analysis was done correctly, even if all of the statistical critiques that the people have done, and there are many about the issues with regards to the size of the error bars, and they are large because when you have only 16% of the population, uh, you know, you're, you're comparing something in effect that's in 16% of the population versus the whole population, 
obviously the quote error bars are going to be larger on those. And then when you start saying, well, okay, it's 16, 16% and it's the, the number who are in a traffic accident and yada yada, a traffic accident that was so severe that they had to go to the hospital because you might be in a fender bender and not have to get any medical care at all. So this is a lot of ifs, 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 and then you get these very large error bars for relative risk. Um, age is a very big uh, aspect for whether or not you have to go to the hospital if you're in a traffic accident, for example. So I'm not going to get into all of that study. Let us suppose they did all of the statistical analysis correct. They did all of the adjustment for relative risk correctly. And I'm not going to get into, um, you know, what were similar risks. And let's just ignore the whole adjusting for miles situation. Let's say we had the relative risks correctly and the correlations are extremely strong. Even so, showing that there is a high correlation, this high relative risk and 48% increase is high. You cannot draw that conclusion out from a correlative study because you don't know why you don't know the cause effect link. And the most likely explanation, because there is no strong cause effect chain, Let's just think, I'm going to make you do a thought experiment. We're going to do a thought experiment. Let's jump out of this particular paper for a moment and just say, we are going to impose, no matter what, we're going to hold these people down, force them to have a COVID vaccine. Do you think that will have changed their risk for getting hospitalized for a traffic accident? Do, 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 do you think their risk will have changed because you force them to have a vaccination? Will anything have changed in terms of their risk profile? No, nothing will have changed. Uh, their risk taking everything actually, maybe it got even riskier because now they're going to go out and show you and they're going to wreak havoc. Um, <laughs> you know, thinking of how people actually behave in the world, I wouldn't be surprised if the risk got worse. Uh, come to think of it, uh, thinking of what happened in 2020 and 2021 and what I've seen in mortality statistics, I wouldn't be surprised if that exactly was is what would happen uh, with people. Let's go to their paper because the authors, I believe, did know this. And this may be one of the effects of academic publication. And you can say, well, this is medical and blah, blah, blah. But the problem is this has to get peer reviewed and it has to get past the reviewers and past the editors to get published to begin with. And they're going to force you probably to put some of this language in that they're not going to like just putting in a correlation and then say, yeah, there's a correlation and not putting in some kind of conclusion because some of it was just fine and some of it was not so fine. So here was somewhat fine. This is from their discussion portion of the paper. A limitation of our study is that correlation does not mean causality because our data do not explore potential causes of vaccine hesitancy or risky driving. Ta-da! 
Actually, if they just stopped there, that would have been fine. But here we go. Here are some of the potential causes that they list. One possibility relates to a distrust of government or belief in freedom that contributes to both vaccination preferences and increased traffic risks. Eh, That's a possibility. A different explanation might be misconceptions of everyday risks, faith in natural protection, antipathy toward regulation, chronic poverty, exposure to misinformation, insufficient resources, or other personal beliefs. Um, okay, that's potential. Alternative factors could include political identity, negative past experiences, limited health literacy, or social networks that lead to misgivings around public health guidelines. These subjective unknowns remain topics for more research. Okay, that's from their own paper. I didn't see something in here that I know (laughs) from just regular life. There are some people who are just blasé about risk or just natural risk takers and are just fine with that. They're not interested in getting vaccines. They are fine in taking higher risks and they're, they don't want to burden themselves. You know, it's an imposition to have to go out of their ways to get a vaccine. It's a little bit of pain. So they're not going to get a vaccine and yeah, they're going to zip in and out of traffic and they're more likely to get in a traffic accident. Does that sound like anybody you know? (laughs) I'm going to take a real wide tangent for a moment. Um, And I promise you, I will get back to my normal actuarial self. Um, Agatha Christie, you've probably heard of her. You've probably heard of her most famous detective, Hercule Poirot. Okay, I'm not going to butcher that again. Hercule Poirot, um, the Belgian detective, and she often made um, uh, fun of that with her alter ego, Ariadne Oliver, and uh, her Finn detective. Um, So Hercule Poirot was her most famous, and then there was Miss Marple. So those two detectives the uh, private detective and then the little old lady in a village were, you know, the the most one we've had movies made out of them, TV shows, etc. Well, she had other detectives in her books and short stories. And one was Mr. Parker Pine. And he was a retired government statistician, hmm, might he have been an actuary, who sets up private practice based on what he's learned about how humans behave based on government statistics. Now, my argument is that Mr. Parker Pine, as a character, was in his stories were not as popular as Hercule Poirot or even Superintendent Battle because it really just destroyed the romance around the stories. If you actually look at the stories of Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple and strip away a lot of the stuff, they're essentially Mr. Parker Pine stories. Most of them are around, you know, sexual jealousy or money. I mean, that's most of them come. There's a few revenge stories and there's a few bizarre stories, but most of the plots, most of the murder plots, in Hercule Poirot are really centered around money. There are a few bizarre ones, but almost all of them are based on money uh, as the main motive of the murder. And Mr. Parker Pine, or, you know, in some cases, sexual jealousy. And then there's a few weird ones. Um, But 
Mr. Parker Pine really just strips away all of that machinery and he he just like, oh, you know, there's statistics like this. And he, some of the stories, there are stories about, um, I think it was a guy and maybe he's an accountant, he's a clerk and he just wants a little bit of excitement. And he goes to Mr. Parker Pine who dreams up a romance for him based around espionage. And it's, total bullshit romance but he uses this guy for a real espionage to hand off some secret papers and it's totally blasé and he runs under the noses of the double agents because they're expecting you know um that the double agent will get used and they'll be able to intercept the papers. But no, it's this, you know, mousy little accountant or whatever, who's going to Zurich and he's got this Bolshevik, um, you know, uh, conspiracy theory minded. And he's just jumping around and like, this can't be the guy who has the secret papers. And, and they dream up this elaborate, you know, James Bond kind of plot to give him a thrill. Okay. But it's, it's all fantasy and it's not a real risk at all. So a lot of us like vicarious thrills. We don't like real risk taking. We like fake risk taking. We like playing video games. We know we like watching sports. These aren't real risks. We like watching movies. None of these are real risk-taking. We understand most of us are taking rational risks, but there are some risk junkies out there, and we know it, and it has effects throughout their lives. And unfortunately, they, yeah, they do have higher mortality rates, and um, and there's like a whole populations of young males and i've pointed to it like here is the stupid period no it's not all young males but they do have a higher propensity to say hey ma look at this hold my beer jump off the roof into the pool and really really injure themselves or kill themselves through stupid stuff and they do stuff like not do what they're supposed to do like not take a vaccine or you know, get into traffic accidents and drive too fast and do crazy stuff. A lot of young men do crazy stuff. And if you look at their study, <laughs> you see that um, young men have a high relative risk for showing up in these traffic accidents into the hospital at about the same rate or the same relative risk as no COVID vaccination. Now, um, I also point out that there is something that insurance actuaries in auto insurance have known for a long time, that a certain use of credit scores, and I should say, we don't want people to get the wrong idea. It's not the normal credit score that you look at for like credit cards, but it's based on the same information. Insurers... Uh, take the same inputs and use a different uh, version of it. But it's the same inputs. And some of it's risk-taking that we're looking at. I say it's related to the sea of the ocean or the big five personality traits or conscientiousness. And some of this changes over your lifetime. 
that you are more or less conscientious at different parts of your life. And some people are always conscientious throughout their life. Uh, do you pay your bills on time? Do you get overextended in the amount of debt you take? Uh, and this is not income level dependent, by the way. Um, do you do your homework? I mean, do you, <laughs> it, it's all sorts of things. And it is correlated with I'm sorry, insurance loss costs. It's also correlated with mortality levels. Are you likely to do crazy things? So this is why I was thinking, I'm sorry, the people who are compliant and doing, you know, taking the COVID vaccine because people say that's the thing you're supposed to do, or people who take the COVID vaccine because they are risk averse and they think that the vaccine will lower their risk, are probably the kinds of people who will do things to lower their risk with regards to traffic risks. So this correlation may not be spurious. It may be real. And the reason the conclusion in this paper is complete crap, and let me just get to the conclusion, some more of the conclusion. So what I had read to you earlier with regards to the conclusion from the abstract, here is some more verbiage from the conclusion portion of the paper. So here we go. Our findings have direct relevance by highlighting how injury risks have continued despite the COVID pandemic. I'm sorry, but that is just a weird sentence. It's a, it's like, why would injuries stop because of the pandemic? What? I mean, are we coating everybody at, you know, wrapping them up in bubble wrap. What? You know, there, of course, people will still have injuries. If you go out in traffic, if people are still driving around, there will still be traffic accidents. This is just a strange sentence. Okay, here we go. Primary care physicians who wish to help patients avoid becoming traffic statistics, for example, could take the opportunity to stress standard safety reminders, such as wearing a seatbelt, obeying speed limits, and never driving drunk. Actually, that's standard advice. It's good advice. It has nothing to do with the rest of the paper. Um, it's, it's almost like they got chat GPT to generate this portion of the paper. Um, anyway, uh, this is, it's true. And, but the problem is, of course, the kind of people who are risk takers probably wouldn't listen to this advice. They'd be like, okay, yeah, okay. So then it might be more fun to, you know, speed, to not wear a seatbelt, and to drive drunk. That's These are all bad ideas, but there are bad idea people you know. You've probably met some. Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. The observed risks are sufficiently large that paramedics, emergency staff, and other first responders should be aware that unvaccinated patients are overrepresented in the aftermath of a traffic crash. And so I'm sitting here like, why? Why do they need to know this? Um, what would, what would it change about their care? Are they going to be treating for COVID? And first, that's first off. Do they really need to know the vaccination status of the people at a crash site? Why would they need to know this? Um, it's, it's just like, it's not really necessary to know. And first off, like, okay, so they're, you know, they have a higher relative risk, but let's think of what the percentages were to begin with. To begin with, the overall population had a 16% chance of adults, had a 16% chance of not being vaccinated. And then of the crash 
victims that had to go to the hospital, it was 25%. And this is before any adjustment whatsoever. So still that's 75% of crash victims being vaccinated. And even so, when you have trauma victims, are you going to change how you're going to care for them if they're vaccinated or unvaccinated? I don't, I don't get it. This is just a non sequitur. Anyway, so <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Next one. Together, the findings suggest that unvaccinated results need to be careful indoors with other people, and I assume that's because of COVID, and outside with surrounding traffic. And I'm like, what? Okay, does that mean, okay, if you're vaccinated, go play in traffic? No, there is no, dis- there is no difference. It, your risks aren't different in traffic, whether or not you have a vaccine. The vaccine does not protect you against traffic risks. This is idiotic. What the hell? <laughs> this is just stupid. Um, who the hell, who the hell let this get through edit? This, oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah, that was just totally stupid. Um, I, I really, I, that was just idiotic. In any case, this was just one month of results and the correlation may be strong. The problem is, of course, it would have been nice if we had a continuing, like, how has this relative risk changed over time? Because, of course, as time went on, one of the problems with the study, of course, is some of those people that they had noted that they had classified as unvaccinated, what it was is they had gotten vaccinated, but because of the study period, if it was within this 14 day period that, you know, the vaccine wasn't effective, blah, 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 they counted them as unvaccinated. Well, they did what they were supposed to. They just happened to have a car accident in the period that the study was in. And I think I understand they needed to have a hard and fast uh, definition and my understanding is they registered like what this all was before they looked at the data so they couldn't be accused of cherry picking um, the statistical analysis. So my understanding is they defined everything of what they were going to do before they looked at the data, which is how you should do one of these kinds of studies. Now, I could be wrong about this. If they define all of this after they looked at the data, then, oh my gosh, that's awful. But you would want to know, like, as time goes on now, of course, as time goes on, people change what the definition of vaccinated is. And like, oh, did you get the booster? Did you get the third booster? And like, did you get the annual booster? And like, okay, you know, now you are changing what the definition is. And did you get your annual flu shot? Did you get, um, <laughs> do you have an annual physical checkup? Actually, that would be a reasonable thing to say. Is it correlated to that? Because now you're seeing, are they compliant with um, medical recommendations? And I think that would be good to check because now you're checking for conscientiousness. And that, I think, would be a strong correlation because you're now saying, are they rules followers? And that's the correlation you're detecting. And it's not a cause effect of, oh, if they have the vaccine, that reduces their traffic risk. What you're doing is you're checking for a signal that they're rules followers. And that's what you're finding. That's, that is my, (laughs) that is really my interpretation here. Um, 
The problem is, of course, you know, this is just for one specific moment in time that it held. It would be interesting to see if the correlation changed over time with the same definitions. And of course, it probably did. And the problem is if you kept the same definition, the percentage of the population that they would be calling vaccine hesitant would be shrinking. And then you'd have huge error bars. And then probably the correlation would also completely dissipate away. Um, and they probably wouldn't like that. And in academia, you don't get to publish non-results. In industry, however, you do in terms of you do get to use information, information that there is no correlation is useful in that you know you can safely ignore something. Um, when you have correlations, even if it's not a cause effect relationship, um, it's information to dig further and you can do cluster analysis. There's all sorts of analyses you can do. Of course, in a highly regulated <laughs> industry like insurance, you've got to be careful. Um, I mentioned credit scores. Um, credit scores are fun, but um, in some states in the United States, and I don't know about Canada, you're not allowed to use that information for underwriting and pricing for certain insurance, even if it correlates highly with the risks involved. But because it correlates highly with the risks involved, usually you can find other uh, variables that the regulators like, okay, fine, you know, like your driving history. And once you have a driving history, you're like, yeah, I can point out how many fender benders they've been and how many speeding tickets they have and yada, yada, because usually you will get that. Um, so it's, it's just an issue of, um, information and, uh, you know, academia has to catch up here. <laughs> Oh, well, they'll get there eventually, I suppose. You know, they'll get into best practices eventually. Um, the, the problem is they're not trying to make money, not in the same way that insurance companies are. That money motive, going back to Mr. Parker Pine, wow, that money motive can be really powerful sometimes. And uh, the power to be accurate money can really spur you on. Anyway, that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. I'll talk to you all later. Bye.